What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. Okay, take two. I I got to take a different start to the podcast. I was too excited. Uh, Sean, we're through three games already. How are you feeling? Well, obviously I'm feeling pretty good. That's That's pretty... It's pretty accurate. It's been quite, kind of a roller coaster, to say the least. Oh, that's, my. that's Edmonton Oilers hockey for you. Well, and, and these two teams just seem to love to to match up and put up the most like roller coaster of emotion kind of hockey games. Well, um, it seems like every game there's something weird happening or some like crazy thing that you don't see very often in games. Well, yeah, you last night's game was a four one game, but it felt way more emotionally high than that. Like it. Uh, we'll we'll get into that, but um, just oh, my adrenaline has never been higher. Well, I, I'm down on the adrenaline now, but like <laughs> for I think it was like two hours after the game, I I was like I'm not gonna sleep tonight, and then all the drinks caught up with me and I crashed super hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling you and a lot of Oilers fans are are feeling the exact same way. It I was... mean, it's a happy hangover today, which is great. <laughs> This is two episodes in a row you're playing guilty. Uh, I blame the Oilers. Okay, like, that's fair. It's a hockey game. I'm going to drink. If it's a weekend <laughs> game, I'm going to be drinking. Like, uh, it just it sucks, but it's true. Yeah, well, you got to do what you got to do. Um, let's, uh, let's dive into this first three games of this series. It's been all over the place. Um, I know we want to get to game three and talk about what happened last night, but uh, uh, we have to go back and discuss a bunch of different things that happened over the course of the past week. Uh, you know, before we get into that, I just wanted to let everybody know, just uh, follow us or subscribe to us on whatever you're listening to. Um, drop comments, let us know what you think, anything like that, and feel free to hit up our uh, our mailbag. You can just uh, message us on Twitter or leave comments on YouTube just with questions, and we'll cover them on the podcast. Yeah, every fucking time I forget this, so I appreciate it. This is why, this is why there's two people running this I'm show. I'm the plug master. Oh my god, thank you, Sean. Uh, <laughs> we'll jump into game one. Um, oh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just having PTSD going back into this. Uh, yeah, just don't look at the box score when you see like flames goal, flames goal, flames goal. You're like, oh god. So honestly, and answer answer honestly. In the first ten minutes, was there a point where you're like, fuck this, let's go to game two? Um, pretty much after the second goal, I think. Yeah, I was watching with my cousin, and I was sitting there, and I was like, you know what, like. I'm not even mad. I'm just going to go through this, and it's just funny. Because I was like, how do you do this? It's kind of entertaining. If it wasn't my team, I would just be losing my mind laughing. Yeah, I was fully ready for the Oilers actually to come out and have a hot start in game one. Well, that's uh, what I was expecting, and I've never seen them come out that flat before. Oh like, that was next level bad. Yeah, uh, the first two goals, and then they got the third, and I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad. Um, th- at that point I was starting to weigh my options, whether or not I wanted to, you know, continue watching or just like kind of s- PVR it and then just fast forward for the rest of the game. But, uh, honestly, as soon as McDavid scored that, uh, that first goal, I was, I was back in, you know, I know a lot of people cause I was talking to some people and they had turned off the game and I was very Ooh. disappointed. Um, either it was the three, nothing goal. They turned it off or five, one or six, two. They were just like, yeah, that's enough. So that's, that's a faux pas, right? I'm not crazy. Like if you turn off a game in the playoffs, like that, that's a no, no, right? 
in my opinion, if you're going to be a hardcore fan, yeah, you can't turn off the game. But okay. like, if it's regular season, I w- might do that because I'm like, well, I got to go mow my lawn or something like that. <laughs> Literally like, I don't anything have time else. For this. I got to go shovel my driveway, so I'm not watching this. But it's the playoffs, man. I like clear my schedule for the next, hopefully the next two months mm-hmm. before these games. I tell people, I'm like, hey, I'm busy tonight. I can't do anything. I'm watching the hockey game. You can yeah. watch with me or you can go do your you do your own thing by yourselves. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, so the they came out of it like down 3-1 after the first period and, and I was like, "You know what? That's a huge win. Like that could be something that um they could have easily been down a lot more." Well, that um, was just a classic Oilers first period, just abysmal effort all around. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like nobody the, our defensive coverage is just horrendous sometimes. Yeah. Like, I, I think I part of it, I have I just watched the highlights and I've already blacked them out of my mind because I just don't even want to think about it. The Lindholm shot, like, Smith should have had that one for sure. Yeah. Um, Pani, that's the one I don't think he should have had. That was a 100% defensive gaff that was from uh, Backlund behind the net just out to him for the tap-in. Mm-hmm. And then the Brett Ritchie shot, he should have had too. Yeah. So, like, obviously Smith was having a tough time. Um, But we'll get to him uh, later in game two games two and three yeah but yeah going into that second period like they even came out in the second period flat they got scored on another 45 seconds yeah you made a game of it with mcdavid like making it 3-1 and then you come out in the third is almost felt like shades of that overtime where they like make make it feel good and then they take it all away again so like for me it, it it got to a point in the game where like i'm not fucking watching this as a fan anymore i'm trying to analytically try and figure out what is going on and I think the biggest thing that I noticed in game one is that the Oilers are playing a team that had a completely different forecheck. Um, the Oilers defensive zone coverage is based off of a zone coverage tight point coverage for the wingers. So they kind of just hang out there um, traditionally, but they've played teams who've had defensemen that sit back, but with Calgary running a two, one, two, four check with a very active back two, like how many of those defensemen snuck up in the play and got those like inset point shots. I think Mangiapane scored one granted he's not a um uh, a defenseman but like they have that f3 sitting in the slot and nobody's watching him yeah that's a, i think that's always been a struggle with edmonton as soon as like one of the defensemen activates to come down yeah like the wingers like you said they're kind of playing just like a box style they're not playing a man style so he just goes in and they're like oh well i gotta stay here and it's like oh wait you're covering nobody what are you doing yeah but i think I do agree with you that the four-check style and even the defense style really threw Edmonton off because they just played an entire series playing against 1-3-1. Yeah. And now they're playing against a more aggressive four-check and they just weren't ready for it. it yeah, you could tell that they were they were struggling with uh, just the switch-up and strategy. But, uh, you know, Bouchard gets the next goal to make it 5-2. Uh, to two, And it's like pulling you back in as a fan again. And it was just enough for Kachuk to score again. It's like, Jesus Christ, can we get one, please? Well, this is what I meant by the roller coaster, where it's just like ups and downs, ups and down. Uh, yeah, so after the chuckles, when we started to see the kind of the TSN turning point, I don't know if there was a single point in time, uh, but you started to see some players step up and kind of will their way forward. Um, I mean, look at Zach Hyman. Just two goals back to back for him that were like just put it on net kind of goals. Like, I was shocked that those went in, to be honest with you. Well, the first one, I think it was, it probably shouldn't have went in because he got a piece of it, uh, Markstrom. 
Um, but it just went in. It was kind of like some of Smith's goals where he was getting a piece of it, but it just kept going and went in. They yeah. just weren't getting all of their shots. That is one thing I'll say is that both defensively and goaltending wise, that was one of the worst efforts I've seen from both teams. Well, I, I get the crowd trying to get on Smith and the the Bronx cheers that they're throwing every time he makes like a fucking save. But Calgary, your goalie had a 786 save percentage in game one. Yeah, somehow Smith getting pulled, he had like one of the best save percentages in the game. Yeah. He was like the best goalie out of the three, even though he only played for like six minutes. <laughs> I I kind of feel for Koskinen, but I kind of don't. I... Well, he got thrown into the fire there, to say the least. And he just like he never has had that clutch ability, I will say. He has, has had some good games mm-hmm. and he's been a he's a solid backup. But he just hasn't had that in him to pull them into the game. And for a while, I was like, okay, they're going to do it. And then I think it was that Anderson goal, the backbreaker after they tied it 6-6. Yes. That one, like, he if he would have made that save, they could have stayed in that game. But it, what could he do? I think you nailed it with the heartbreaker uh, aspect of that. As soon as he scored, he just felt like the, the wind come out of the sails. And anything that they built from momentum moving forward was just... Uh, just gone from there well it was a minute and a half too after they tied it yeah and then kachuk gets another one you know nine minutes into the period and i from that point i kind of knew we were gonna lose game one man that kachuk goal yeah it's funny i i did learn from this game was that stupid uh what coincidental penalties that you can choose who comes out of the box and everybody was losing their minds i was because apparently it's a rule that nobody knows about really yeah, I, I get it. I get it's a rule, but can we fucking acknowledge how stupid that penalty or that uh, rule is? No, it's like, really stupid. Like, if they were all in the same second, like they all took them, like a three way scrum and they all took them, sure. Yeah. But it's like Kachuk's penalty was first, and then the other two took a penalty. So I feel like they're completely separate events, and you shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're essentially getting someone else to pay someone else's crime. Like, it doesn't make sense at all. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with the rule. Uh, I know I was being a little bit sarcastic when we were getting uh, uh, coincidentals later in the series, but I mean, fucking whatever. At that point, it was a two-goal cushion, and it just, ah. You know, it was kind of funny, too, because on that same play, I had uh, I was talking to a lot of people on like different message boards and stuff. Sure. Um, a lot of people didn't know about like the offside rule, where if you take it back into your own zone, it's considered not offside. So a lot of them were confused because Drysaddle played it out, right. and it hit Pugliarvi's skate and then went back in, right? which is yeah. apparently considered taking it back into your zone, mm-hmm. which personally I think is bullshit because it should have to be a controlled like possession, and then you carry it back into your own zone. It shouldn't be a random bounce out of the like off your own player and back in. That's really <laughs> stupid. Yeah, I, I honestly, I wasn't even paying attention to the, the offside potential right there. I just, my, my head was so absorbed with, like, why the fuck Kachuk is on the ice. Um, and then, yeah, just... I, my I brain was screaming, happens. that's offside when I watched it. And then I watched the highlight and I was like, oh, I guess it's not. And then afterwards <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, but it should be. Like, that's so fucking stupid. It's such a stupid rule. Well, so when they scored, um, they showed Kane, it was Kane in the box, right? Yeah. Yes. So they showed Kane shaking his head, and that's when I clued in. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Him at... As Shillington's <laughs> smiling like yeah. a gremlin in there? Ugh. But uh, I don't know. At that point, to me, I kind of knew it was over. Um, so the Oilers dropped the first game, and 
unbelievable fashion, nine to six, really throwing it back and making up for those 30 years. But any any overall takeaways from game one? I think as Edmonton, like I think everybody agrees that they should throw the tape away. And the only takeaways that they need to know is they need to play better defensively. Like they need better coverage. They need better goaltending. And I think the biggest takeaway is that Markstrom's beatable. Oh, yeah. And that they can come back. They came back from a four-goal deficit to tie that game. And I think they did take that to heart. Yeah. Which is really, really important going into game two. Well, the the only other thing that I had taken away, and I, I kind of alluded on, on our Twitter account, I kind of stood out, is McDavid led the team in hits. And it's not only that McDavid led the hits because he's playing a more physical game. Uh, oh, and everybody wants to see that, too. They're like, yeah. yeah, lead by example. That's great. But Cassian played 11 minutes and didn't register a single hit. Well, it's not like he was really even in the lineup for game two and three after that, because likely because of that performance. I, I mean, Josh Archibald played three less minutes and had four hits. True. So I I, I don't know. It, it was kind of a like... Like you mentioned, just throw the tape away, move to game two. But uh, as we jump into that, I swear to God, I thought I was watching a replay of game one, like this start to game two. I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, it was really funny. Um, one of my buddies was uh, sitting on his couch, sending like Snapchats or whatever. Yeah. And he was like well, sitting down watching the game like two hours before it started. And I was busy. So I was like, wait, did I forget when the game started? Yeah. And he like... It was like a minute in, and he took like a picture. He's like, "It's two nothing already." He's like, "I can't believe it's happening again." And then I realized, I'm like, "Oh, it's it's fine." Like he's just messing with everybody. And then I watched the game, and realized maybe that wasn't a joke, and he, maybe he can see the future. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was scared for a second, but I was like, "Let's just see." Uh, I wanted to see the the rebound because I know after a game, well, it. it took more than one minute to score two goals which is the biggest difference for me true it took six minutes this time <laughs> but uh uh there was no timeout called i wanted to see how they bounce back and um i mean they they cut the lead in half seven minutes later with duncan keith um and so that's when i started to realize okay this is a different performance um and this is this is a completely different game for this team um but can we quickly talk about those two flames goals Sure, like yeah, yeah. The Michael Stone one, that's the one where Hyman broke his stick, blocking a shot. Yep. And then, I don't want to blame him, but his indecision to get the stick from the bench and, like, be involved in the play, he went back, like, twice before he actually got a stick. Mm. And by the time he got a stick, that's when Stone took, like, two shots in a row or whatever, the second one went in. So I and had this... Yeah. Sorry, I'll let you finish oh, your, sorry. your point. No. Um, my point was just, like, I don't know if it's because he went to the bench... And they didn't have a stick ready for him, which goes back to, I think it was your plus a couple podcasts ago yeah. where you were giving the support staff like, yeah. the plus for having that stick ready. And I was kind of wondering if that was what had happened or if maybe Hyman just like committed close to the bench and then turned back around because he didn't see a stick ready. And then they kind of just got lost and he probably should have just stayed in the play anyways without a stick. But anyway, you were going to say something. No, I'm glad you finished your thought because that's what I was going to ask. Like, I don't know what kind of went on there. Um, that goal in particular, though, uh, there's some blame definitely to have on, like, what are you doing with that player with a broken stick? But, uh, Nuge, pal, like, if you're going to block a shot, go all the way fucking down. Like, you go back and you watch that second shot that Stone got off, and he takes a half-ass knee, like, down to the ice, and it goes straight under his knee, and there's no fucking chance for, for, uh... He blocked the first one, right? And then it bounced off of him and right back to Stone, and then he shot it again. 
but that might be he needs to maybe work on positioning his blocks better so the rebound doesn't bounce right back to the guy who just took the shot. Mm. Maybe absorb the shot a little bit more. But I know it's kind of in the moment and I'm sitting here on my couch saying all this, but still. <laughs> well, even when you, you flip to the second goal, like I get that Mike Smith kind of bobbled it on the first shot, but like where the fuck was everybody else? You mean Evan Bouchard, who was six feet away, sitting there like staring at the puck, wondering what's happening? Yeah, I feel bad because there's a guy that responded to our... Uh... Um, our comments from game one, and he's saying how Bouchard was so terribly, and I was, or so terrible rather, and I was trying to defend him, but like I, th- I thought he struggled mightily defensively, and that goal in particular, like what the fuck? You know that pairing is very up and down. Yeah, they're either great or they're terrible, and that goes from play to play. It's not game to game. Because <laughs> speaking of that, Keith later on that period scored a goal, and it- then later in this game. Bouchard scores a goal. Yeah. And it's like, I want to be bad. And then they do think good things. I'm like, God damn it. Like Keith had three points in this game. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a roller coaster on your own defensive lines. Uh, so, um, the one thing that I, I noticed just, uh, flipping through Twitter is the amount of people coming for Mike Smith's head in the first 10 minutes. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I've noticed something about our fan base that um, I, I think it's a Canadian thing across all markets. But like when you're beating another team, uh, like everyone's like, oh, eat shit, Calgary. Like you guys suck. And as soon as the Oilers lose and Calgary comes after us, rather than us like chirping back, we just turn on our own team. That's we're just hurt. That's all we are. We're <laughs> we're conditioned that way. Yeah. It's like for so many years, you can't blame other teams when your team sucks so much ass. Yeah. So all I was getting at with that is like, I think I think it's safe to say this is a pro Mike Smith podcast. I mean, yeah, I would say so. I'm very pro Mike Smith. Yeah, I don't I don't think uh, you can blame those first two goals on him. Um, Not really, no. Like the first one, yeah, he didn't really have a chance because, like you said, it went through Nuge's knee. The uh, Richie one, no chance really. Maybe he could have handled that rebound a little bit better, but like he shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. And then I can't even remember the Tyler Toffoli goal. Oh, wait, yes, I do. Side of the net. Yeah, that play, was yeah. a nurse breaking his stick, cross-checking a guy. Yeah. And then not having a stick and flailing around. Well, who was that? Was that Archibald that played the stick or whatever? Uh, it was Yamamoto. Yeah. So but I was snapping when I first saw it. Screaming at thought, him to hand him his stick? or uh, Yeah, that first part. And then I saw um, the stick sitting there. I didn't know it was broken at the time, but there yeah. was a Calgary player that kind of swiped it off to the side. And I was like, that's a fucking penalty. Yeah. But I didn't realize it was broken. Oh, he was just clearing the shot lane. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, that, I understand people's... A lot of people were complaining, like, Yamamoto, you should have gave Nurse your stick. Mm. But I can't even imagine Nurse holding Yamamoto's stick. It's like holding a toothpick in your hands <laughs> in compared to his regular that. stick. That's Plus, a... it's the wrong hand in this, so who knows how that even, if it would have even helped that much. Yeah, I, yeah, it was kind of just a, a big clusterfuck of uh, mistakes there. And... I think what we learned is don't cross-check people so hard or you break your own stick in half. Yeah, that must have hurt. Uh, I can imagine. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they get that. Um, and, uh, yeah, th- that makes it three to one. And then Connor McDavid show kind of starts to take off. Yeah. He probably, that f- I still have a feeling that first goal should have counted the, uh, goaltender interference. Oh yeah. Like I understand it. And I, I will say that I think it's consistent with, with the way they've been calling, which is if you're in the crease, they're going to call it. So that was, that was okay, I guess. But if like 
if McDavid would have scored there on his like attempt to cross rather than it going back to dry side along the rebound, then it would have counted even though he did the exact same thing. Okay, well, well there's a, a first disallowed goal, right? I think we skipped completely. I think over that, that was the 3-2 goal. I think that's after th- this happened. Okay, I So that was this... that was the whistle moment. Yes. So this happened and then McDavid scored doing the exact same thing but not losing the puck this time with a crazy play if you watch it. He like gets hit by Zadorov absorbs the hit without falling over, kicks the puck to his stick, passes it to Keith, and knows to immediately go to the net, gets wide open, and scores. See, so. I think uh, I think the disallowed loose puck goal came first. The only thing I remember that is because I remember screaming, like, as soon as he scored that goal, I was like, that one fucking counts. <laughs> like, but... I, I wasn't sure if I counted that, was screaming that, because I think I was too, but that's because it was, was not goaltender interference. Yeah, either way, I think just... But we could talk about that whistle goal, because... I know you want to get to that. Do you want to talk about it now or you want to save it for later? Like we might as well talk about it quickly now. Sure. It's just like, it's all it is is poor positioning from the ref. And it, I will say the exact same thing in this game happened to Calgary where Chris Lee, the ref in question is sitting in the corner away from the play and he blows it dead because he can't see it. Even though all he has to do is skate 10 feet to the right or to the left, wherever it is to get to the net. And he can see inside of the net and see the puck sitting there. Well, and it just seems like lazy work. It's like you're a professional. Figure it out. Yeah. How fucking bad do you have to be for Ron McLean leading into the intermission? The first thing he talks about is is Chris Lee's poor positioning on the ice. I've never like, I've never heard Ron McLean be angry before. Yeah. And like he's good at composing himself, having Don Cherry sit there beside him for years, <laughs> having to sit there and like bite his tongue to try and not say anything. So mm-hmm. that, that's You've really got to do something wrong. And then he goes and does it again to yeah. Calgary. It's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it was consistently bad refing. Well, one half of the, the refing was bad. but <laughs> uh, So Bouchard gets the next tally on the power play. Hey, that's second unit, baby. That's what I want to see. I love to see second unit power play goals. It, it was late, too, in the power play, I remember, because I was just feeling so defeated. Um, kind of just a side note. Oilers go one for 10 in the first two games on the power play, and I was pretty discouraged. Yeah. Uh, I know Calgary, very aggressive, and kudos to them for um, being on Edmonton. Uh, I know Edmonton tried for that that uh, cross-crease cross pass. Let's try that again. Um, to Drysaddle for the one-timer. A, you know Drysaddle's playing on one and a half legs. And then B, it's just like there were so many sticks in that, uh, that lane. There's so many interceptions and deflections, so... Uh, you could really see them struggling. So to see Bouchard just walk up and, you know, clasp, clap a bouche bomb through. How did they give him that much time? I don't know. He walked from the point all the way down to the circle and then let it go. I was like, how are you not getting in the lane or something? It, it must have really caught uh, um, Markstrom too, because when you kind of watch the shot, it looked like it was waffling a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if it was a little bit of a knuckle puck, but um, yeah. So that, that made it a uh, 3-3 game heading to the third period. Um, I, I was pretty tense at that point. I, I believe I was standing and refusing to sit because I like, didn't know what to do, man. How many squats do you think we've done from getting up and off the couch in the last like two weeks? Oh, so much. The <laughs> amount of times I like grab the arms of the chair I'm sitting in and I'm like half standing as there's like a breakaway or something. I'm like, Oh, oh let's sit back down or, or I get to stand back up because <laughs> we actually fucking score, which we did. Yeah. Shorty too um zach hyman got that breakaway i i just there's something in me that knew it was going 
Um, at that point, yeah, back up on my feet. It's because Zach Hyman is clutch as fuck. No shit, hey? Um, and at that point, I was... I had a good feeling at that point. I was like, I think we can control this and kind of lock things down, even though I know we still had to go back to the, the penalty kill. But um, uh, I think that was good. And then the the wraparound, I don't know who who set that off. Like around the boards? Yeah, to send Dreisaitl. That was Mike Smith. That's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. I specifically remember yelling at him for playing that puck and being <laughs> like, get back in your net. We're up by one. What are you doing? As it wraps around the board, misses every Calgary player. Calgary Flames player because and Zadorov is slow as fuck and can't catch one leg of dry sidle, which was I I wonder how much adrenaline dry sidle was running on in that moment where he just forgot he had an injury because he's like I have a fucking breakaway here we go I know as soon as I saw him on a dash I was like oh they're gonna catch him that's what I thought too yeah he kept going and then just a perfectly placed shot um, off the the far post and in. Oh, the posts were being kind to Edmonton in this game. Hyman's bar down and then Drysaddle bar in on the left side. It's mm-hmm. unreal. Yeah, so they lock it down and they tie up the series 1-1 heading back to Edmonton. Uh, final thoughts on game two, Sean? Um, my only thoughts are that this team, I don't know, they can come back from behind. They learned it in game one. They used it in game two when they were down 2 nothing early. I think they weren't discouraged. And I will say in this game... Even though they were down to nothing, they had an exponentially better first period. Not just in terms of like goals, like we were down two one instead of three one, but just in terms of play in general. Like the shots, we were winning in shots after the first period, yeah. which potentially wasn't something I was gonna say after that first game. I was like, we're gonna just get shit on every first period because we don't know how to start a period. But they really took those lessons, I think, to heart that they learned in game one. And mm. number one, like I mentioned earlier, Markstrom's beatable. Yeah, he does not look like himself. Um, I would I would agree with those uh, those thoughts. I did feel like the Oilers kind of became a different team ten minutes into the the first period, and then it just kept getting better and better and better. So um, that brings us to Game Three on Sunday night in Edmonton. Uh, it was nice to play in a real NHL arena again. And, you know, get some some noise. We had Ben in the house, so you had uh, already those good vibes rocking for the team. Um, I think from Jump Street, like, the Oilers came out, and I thought that was one of their better starts this playoff. I said specifically, because I, <laughs> I was holding my tongue about halfway through the period, so I was watching with, like, my dad and a bunch of people. And I was holding my tongue, because the whole time I was like, this is the best period we've had so far, like, first period, bar none. And But I was holding my tongue because I was like, I don't want to get scored on the second I say that. So as soon as the period ended, I turned around and I was like, that was the best period we've had so far. It <laughs> just safe. Like it's over. Blurted it out at the top of my lungs. Yeah, it uh, it was completely different. Like, the Oilers did everything right except score. Um, but even after that first period, what do they have in shots after the first period? 21-7. Yeah. Which is un- unbelievable for them, honestly. Um, like if I was Edmonton, like I would be slightly discouraged because they had such a good period and they didn't score. And they're like, oh no, is Markstrom returning to form? Mm. And then the second period brought that thought and fired that out of a cannon away from us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you look at the first goal, 52 seconds into the second period. I I thought they got underneath the wire on uh, the power play because I'm really hoping they just pad those stats a little bit. Well, I thought it was a power play goal until I saw afterwards and it's like, uh, they weren't 
or they got a plus for it. And I was like, wait, how'd they get a plus for that? I thought it was power play. That's so confusing. Yeah. But yeah. They must've just slipped under it just afterwards with that top unit still out there. Yeah. Diving into that goal in particular, um, when McDavid came up the wing and he dropped it back to dry saddle, I know a lot of people will kind of like look for dry saddle to shoot in that position, but just that little like five to 10 foot pass that he made off to Hyman was enough to allow like Markstrom to overcorrect himself. Yeah. And he's completely like out of line with the net. I, oh, yeah. I thought and then it was Hyman snipe far side, right? So smart. So yeah. smart. Um, well, that's the thing. Even if he's on one leg, his hockey IQ is still off the charts. As many <laughs> blind backhand passes he puts to nobody, like those passes that he makes are unbelievable. It's, it's funny because I made a joke about how uh, um, in game one, Dreisaitl, I think he was at probably his most hurt. Um, but I, I was, I was joking that we're kind of getting a, a look into him, like playing at age 36, like maybe doesn't have the speed, but he's still like, he's got the brain for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Joe Thornton out there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that kind of started the, the roller coaster, um, a Vander Kane, man. <laughs> I think after these goals that are coming up here, Markstrom is going to be petrified by the thought of forehand backhand. Yes. Because the dry sidle forehand backhand pass to Vander Kane forehand backhand goal and then Kane forehand backhand goal. And I'm like, somebody's going to just not go to the backhand and he's going to bite so hard because he's going to be expecting that now. Yeah. it. They're making him like overthink his play, I think. Oh, for sure. And I will say Calgary's defensive coverage has been horrendous. Like, all I heard going into this series is Calgary's defense, unbelievable. Like, they're going to just shut Edmonton right down. They're not going to be able to do anything. But if anything, I've seen, like, just holes in their lineup. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's – so it felt like in game one, um, their gap control on the D was a lot tighter. And it seems like they're they're almost giving the Oilers credit to outskill them so they increase that gap control. But it just gives the Oilers more opportunity to spread out – well, like, you can't outskill McDavid and Drysaddle. That's yeah. not even remotely possible. Yeah. Like maybe in peak, like in the peak of his career, Johnny Goudreau might be as good as rookie Drysaddle. Oh. Yeah, that's 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 a decent take. I would take that all day. Like nobody would even consider like trying to outskill Edmonton. The only team I can think that would try would be like a Tampa or something like that. And hoping Kucherov and Stamkos and Point, who's hurt, so that doesn't matter, would try and like match Edmonton. Mm. So, like, if they're gonna play that game, they're going to lose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just have two thoughts on the like two of those Kane goals. I think it's the second goal. They the blur third. into one goal, and I can't I even know. remember them now. The because I think Drysaddle set him up for the first one. I think it's the second one, but. Uh, Tyson Berry knocks a puck out of midair that wraps it up to McDavid when he picks it up. That might be the third goal where he picks it up around the, uh, the blue line. Yeah. The reverse pivot, like with the puck between McDavid's legs, I will watch that over. Oh and yeah. Over now I remember that over again. That is hockey porn, man. That looked like, like a, a soccer play where the guy just like kicks it around to himself or something like that. I couldn't believe what I just watched. I, I honestly, I think it's a generational thing because when you learn like to skate when I was a kid, anytime that you have uh, power skating, it was always like, you knew the power skating coach was coming out and you'd get pissed off because you'd never have the chance to touch pucks. Yeah. And 
now when you you teach kids power skating every single drill comes with pucks because you got to do it at at full speed yeah and like look at mcdavid that that was unbelievable hey let's not forget to mention so we don't miss it in this sure. in the second period Edmonton was up three nothing yeah that's when johnny gaudreau had the breakaway oh where smith yeah. saved that and then kachak came in and he just barely got it with the glove and kept them in the game and kept calgary out of the game <laughs> did not give them any slice of hope whatsoever yeah, I, I don't think Mike Smith had the prettiest of saves. Uh, I think there was one there in the third, too, where he made a cross-crease like um, sliding save, and he like fell over. But, yeah, I couldn't believe he stopped that uh, that one-two chance there. Um, the only thing I was just going to mention on the, the Kane hat trick goal, a natty hattie, by the way, which was unreal. And then the fucking celebration to throw your hat like the celly where he just takes his hat and throws it. Elite. Elite celebration. And I, then I wonder how McDavid felt about that. I don't think he was overly happy about the game seven thing in oh, yeah. uh, in uh, game six there at the end but against the, LA. But I wonder how they feel about the showboatiness of stuff like that. Well, I think he was okay with that because if you watch them as they're cleaning up the hats and stuff, he goes yeah. over to talk to McDavid and you can see him ask, When are you gonna put one in? Yeah. Like when are you gonna get one? And he said, Oh, it's coming. Like, oh, you, you could see a little bit of swagger, so it was nice to uh, see them kind of gelling a little bit. Um, what a pickup Kane has been. My God, Ten yeah. goals and ten playoff games. Nobody would have predicted that. <laughs> and we're paying him, what, like $2 million a year? Yeah, Like, cheap. where's that out of our other $2 million players? <laughs> Cassian should have 20 goals in 10 games, like, with the contract he's got. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, so we head to the third. Uh, Oilers continue pressure, but I think there's only one real thing we want to we want to talk about here. i mean it's the only thing that really happened yeah in that third period edmonton kind of played on their heels which i wasn't a huge fan of mm-hmm. and we're kind of giving calgary a bit of a chance which was annoying but then the probably now infamous lucic uh destroying mike smith yeah but uh he let up so it's fine don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it you heard daryl sutter's comments after the game yeah yeah uh, i think he as soon as he said that he immediately regretted what he said well i would hope so Oh man, there's like, sometimes it, it sucks being put in the spotlight and like not being able to like think about your answer sometimes. Yeah. Like this, I'm going to take this away out of this game for a second. I just watched this clip. They were interu- or interviewing St. Louis's coach, Craig Berube, before the game. Oh, yes. And they asked him about like all, there's been a bunch of th- like threats against Nazem Kadri and stuff. Yeah. And he, rather than say like, that doesn't belong in the game, like anything, something simple like that. He's just like, no comment. It's just like, that was the easiest layup of all time. And you absolutely botch it. Yeah, but if you go and do a quick Google search of uh, Craig Berube's past in 1996, oh, yes. there's a little thing with Peter Worrell that might come up. So hopefully he's learned from that. But yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, it sucks in the moment like that. But yeah. And I don't know. Lucic, did you say, I think it was today, his comments or something like I that. I have not heard that. Where no. he's like, if, if I would have tried to hit him, neither one of us would be playing tomorrow. Is what he said. Yeah, that's a classic, like, intimidation answer. Yeah, well, it was like, well, yeah, you're Lucic, and all you can do is hit to kill people, and outside of that, you can't you can't play hockey, so... So what's your overall thoughts on that play? I think, I do agree that he let up. I will not say that he did not. But he, like, I know he's Lucic, but you're still a professional hockey player. You need to be able to get out of the way of that. If you can't get out of the way of that, you're like, oh, sorry, I couldn't stop, like, then you shouldn't play hockey. Yeah, I, I know I was waiting after the game to listen to Mike Smith and I was waiting for 
him to pull the Ryan Miller, he's such a piece of shit answer, but he, uh, he, he kind of just looks surprised. So my initial thoughts when I first saw it, I was like, you could tell he's trying to slow up because um, it didn't look like he really, he pushed him. And so my initial thought is like, okay, is Mike, or is Mike Smith selling this a little bit? Yeah. But if you go back and rewatch it, and this is why my tune has changed, the first point of contact is actually like knee on ankle. Yeah. And so Mike Smith has got his knee basically sideways perpendicular to where Lucic is coming in and he collides. His knee's going to fold in and he's going to fall like that. I don't care. I don't think there was embellishment there. Well, the funny part is like here's Smith with the puck. He's looking up the right boards and he's going to play it that way. Mm -hmm. And he reverses it the other direction instead. If he would have carried forward with sending it up the right boards, he would have got absolutely demolished by Lucic because that's where Lucic was going. So he was going for him the whole time. Mm -hmm. And Honestly, Mike Smith probably saved himself by reversing the puck and not getting laid out as hard as he probably would have. Yeah. And you have to remember, like, that goalie equipment does not protect you, especially from the back when you go flying back first into the boards. Yeah, it's so easy to fall in goalie equipment. Like, it doesn't take anything to fall over. Well, exactly. Those skates have nothing on them. <laughs> so, like, how is he supposed to even remotely stay up? And they are not trained to learn how to take a check or whatever into the boards. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an absolute joke. Lucic should be embarrassed that he even remotely did that, but he knew exactly what he was doing. That was that was calculated. But his career is pretty much over at this point. Anyways, <laughs> he only hasn't retired because he's getting paid a stupid amount of money because of Shirelli. Exactly. Uh... I was having heart palpitations though when Smith's helmet flew off and everybody piled in and I was like, Oh, oh yeah, my like, god. I th- I hate that kind of stuff. Like Archibald, like good on Archibald for going after Lucic, who's like triple his size. But he needed to think in the moment and like make sure Smith's okay before you do anything. Yeah, just ragdolling Don't, him and Yeah, it piles right on top. It's like Smith and then uh Lucic and then Archibald on top of him. It's like, I love seeing the box though afterwards where like there was like four guys in each box. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what I want to see from the team. If somebody runs your goal, you guys better all be fucking in there throwing. Did you hear the call with the ref when he... <laughs> Everybody else <laughs> roughing. <laughs> it's too many to list. Um, so I kind of, I'll bring this thought because I got some texts from people asking, why the hell are they pulling Smith? Why the hell? What are your thoughts on the concussion protocol? Like, I know, I heard Smith's post game mm. where he was talking about it, where he's like, I get it. But I think players should have a say in it. And I'm like, well, the whole point of it is that if you're concussed, you don't have the mental capacity to know to pull yourself out of the game. So that's why it was implemented in the first place. Because no hockey player, even if they can barely know where they are besides the fact that they're at a hockey game, will take themselves out of the game. Because they have too much pride. It's it's just shitty. Because like you see it across all sports. You see it with... Uh... Like, football players, they take one bad hit and they're having a hell of a game. They have to come up, same thing. Baseball, like, a pitcher's pitching a perfect game and then a fucking rain delay so they could get pulled out. Like, there's too many interruptions. I get the purpose of it. It's one of those things that just fucking sucks. I mean, it's... We still won. And, like, I I honestly think Smith would have got the shutout if he stayed in the game. But he came back and was a little, uh, probably just rusty. Yeah. From not playing for 15 minutes. First shot you see is coming at your head. Yeah. Look... But. His, his flailing like that sometimes throws me off because I know he drops down early. So then if it's above him, he just like flails his hands both up in the air. Looks super weird. But yeah, I think everybody agrees that that was garbage. Mike Smith's amazing shades of uh, WWE with him walking down that tunnel. Holy shit. Someone synced up uh, like uh, an announcer 
thing from uh, the WWE to his return. Yeah. That was that was fucking electric. The fact that Jay Woodcroft called the timeout to buy him time to come out and get the ISO cam on. <laughs> yeah. What a baller sequence. Oh man. Okay. I don't know if you saw this yet. Mm. So somebody posted a clip on the Oilers Reddit that I was looking at. And it was right after that uh, penalty and the power play started. And Drysaddle's in the middle of the ice. So they're playing like everybody's in the corners and Drysaddle's in the middle in the bumper position. This is Lucic penalty? Yes. Okay. So they had just started the five-minute power play. Mm -hmm. Drysaddle, right off the faceoff, gets slashed in the leg, in his bad leg, by Backlund. Immediately, like, is rotating around, gets slashed by another guy, same leg. Keeps rotating, gets slashed by another guy. He doesn't have the puck this whole time. And you see the Flames players look at him, look at his leg, slash it. Clearly intentionally trying to injure him. It was such a joke and disgusting to watch, especially after their player just ran a goalie too. They've done some dirty shit too. I I, I think it was game two where Zadorov went into the corner with Darnell Nurse. Yeah. Um. He was up on the uh, on the rush, and I I slowed it down because it looked funny the way Darnell. Oh, Nurse's and he like almost up. like felt like he pushed his head into. Yeah, the he boards. fucking grabbed his head and shoved it into that. Like it's shit like that that pisses me off. But I mean, it, it's it's playoffs. Like it's gonna happen, but it's it's fucking dirty. Yeah, well, like, those ones I, um, like, almost understand because it's, like, heat of the moment, you're throwing a hit, and it should happen sometimes. Like, he might not have even meant to do that, and it's just kind of like the collision makes his arm pop up and it looks more like that. Like, I'm not giving him an excuse, but the right. slashes are so deliberate on a guy who doesn't even have the puck. Like, if he had the puck, I'd almost understand it. But, yeah. like, he's nowhere near the play, and you're intentionally slashing, like, his injured leg that you know is injured. Like, it's just so annoying. Yeah, no, um, I didn't see that at all. I also wanted to... I'll show you the clip after we're sure, done here. But sure. um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that I, me and my dad were watching in the moment and were super pissed off. It was the first period of game two. Matthew Kachuk hit Kulak and like absolutely rocked him. And to me anyways, when I watched it, the elbow. it, it looked like he elbowed him straight in the face and yeah. ran him into the boards. But yeah. nobody talked about it. And I don't know why I didn't see anybody talking about it. it he was tied up with someone and he kind of slipped out. His head kind of slipped out and his like elbow on head straight. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what a hit. I'm just like, what do you mean? That looked disgusting. Yeah. I, I think there's been like, and we sound like homers, but I don't think there's been anything egregious that the Oilers have done that hasn't been like penalized for i mean if you ask flames fans like blah 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 blah. oh yeah the fucking refs are against them blah blah blah. yeah yeah but i don't know like i i'm pretty sure in game two i saw mcdavid like elbow a guy like he just did his typical like kind of chicken winged him and like yeah like they probably could have called that and there's the little things yeah but they're not like egregious like seemingly intent to injure plays or anything like that or not incredibly dangerous like yeah getting elbow in the face sucks but it happens sometimes yeah, no, I I don't know. But uh, the, the Flames obviously scored that last goal in Game 3, and the Oilers kind of lock it down. I had no problem with them not really pushing on the power play. I kind of figured the, the most important thing is that they kill five minutes off the clock. Yeah, I was excited for that. I was expecting more second unit time out there. Same, I yeah. wanted to see them out there for the full five. Let's see what you boys can do. <laughs> so any, any wrap-up thoughts after Game 3? Um, love the first period is fantastic um that top line may be a little stacked but if calgary can't stop it sucks to suck i guess mm-hmm. um and honestly i i don't think we mentioned it i really like the top three line combos that they're running like mcleod yamamoto and fogel has been surprisingly effective like they haven't scored yet obviously but they've been really good and that nuge pull 
uh, hymen line has been Love it. really good, which I kind of thought was surprising when I first saw that put together. I was like, eh, we'll see. Like, yeah, we'll get dumped down a little bit. Yeah, maybe yeah. like a third line that'd be okay. But like as a second line, I was a little meh. But they played really well. Mm-hmm. And still, like I think I listened to the post game. Um, I listened to it this morning. They just recorded and po- posted online. Um, and some guys were texting in about how much they hate Pugliarvi and how lost he was on that line and they want to get rid of him. I'm just like, he didn't look that lost at all. In my I opinion. thought he was fine. He looked effective in his minutes that he played. I think the biggest uh, aspect of that line too is like Nuge's pairings for wingers in the game one was shit. And I think you, you cap Nuge. It, it's not the shit on like Archibald and Ryan. That I think that's who he's playing with in game one. Yeah. But like, Nuge needs a type of player to play with. Well, he needs bigger players too. Like yeah. he can't play like the Archibald Nuge Ryan. Like, yes, Archibald likes to hit, but the average height of that line is like five foot nine or something like that. And like that, I think that's the reason why Yamamoto's not on that line right now because they need a bigger body in Pugliarvi on that line. And then the next line down, they have a bigger body in Fogel and even McLeod's pretty big too playing with Yamamoto. Like it's spreading, they're spreading the size more than they're doing anything else, I think. Yeah. The only additional thing that I had after game three was just Matthew Kachuk's comments about how he's letting one player beat them. They have one player that plays half the game. Yeah. Pal McDavid was sixth on the team in ice time. I think I read that comment and my favorite thing was just like, yeah, Zach Heim is really shredding you guys. No shit. Leading eh? the team in ice time. Like, what can you do? You can't beat that. Yeah. Is it is it the guy that scored three goals against you? Or is it also the guy that had four assists in Dreisaitl? Like... <laughs> How about Mike Smith, who had, like, 30 saves? Exactly. Or or was it Markstrom that you let beat you? Like, I don't know. Yeah, be, getting beat by your own goalie, I know how it feels, but... Terrible response. Yeah, that was, that was abysmal. Like, yes, McDavid is playing extremely well, and he is probably the reason we're winning, but he's not the only reason we're winning. This yeah. is the most winning by committee I've seen this team do in a while. Yeah, it's, it's a group effort for sure. So just moving into the look ahead here... Um, They'll play game four on Tuesday, five on, well, that would make it Thursday. And then, if possible, game six on Saturday. Uh, do you have any quick keys to uh, to the Oilers' success here? I mean, first of all, we need to continue coming out strong. Like, that last game two, pretty solid. I know we were down 2 nothing, like I said, but we played well. Um, obviously, game three was great. I think we should have probably been up, like, 3 nothing after that first period. Um, but Markstrom did keep the minute, and then, yeah, I like they need to start well. This That's team, it. like, they put themselves in the hole, and even if they can come back, they're just making it harder for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like in this game where they scored four goals in the second period, like they could have been down three goals and been only up four three going into the third period, but they came out strong and weren't losing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think you make a lot of good points there. The one thing. I know I made a big deal about the eleven and seven. Yeah, uh, I do love it. I whatever's working, you gotta ride the hot hand. The one thing that I'm kind of nervous about is I don't know if if you saw that, but like I couldn't decipher whether or not Cody CC said I feel it's broken or I don't think it's broken. Oh, his hand. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some concern about potentially whether or not his hand's broken, but um, I. I'm fairly confident regardless, as long as he can still shoot the puck and play it. And it looked like he was okay when he came mm-hmm. back. I'm not too concerned about it. And uh, I'll get into why I'm not too concerned about that in a minute. Okay. When we get to the plus minus section. Because well, I've changed my plus in my mind, by the okay. way. Okay, well, let's dive into it. 
Uh, we've been uh, kind of discussing everything for the past uh, 50 minutes here, so just want to jump into our plus-minus to wrap things up. Uh, as always, we'll start with the negatives. Sean, do you want to jump, or I can start? It doesn't matter. You can start. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay, we'll we'll take a turn. We'll start with the minuses. <sighs> I didn't really want to talk about this, but I, I know I mentioned the LA Kings fans and some people doing some shitty things, but this is kind of directed to to both sides and kind of across back to your point what's going on with the blues um stuff towards Kadri, but like there's some scumbags as fans out there and there's some certain things that are going on in the playoffs first off the racial thing is the biggest thing for me like that oh, shit is gotta fucking stop it like what the fuck is wrong with you well you wouldn't hear i don't think you'd hear any of this stuff out of like people toward Kadri, for example if it wasn't Kadri. yeah but like people are just horrible human beings. Yeah, you can't help that. The second thing is so this my minus is scumbag fans. It, it's kind of a blanket statement, but the second thing that I noticed is I know that there is some stuff going on in Calgary after Game One with Oilers paraphernalia. Um, I saw Oilers fans stomping on a Calgary towel, or I don't know if it was a jersey or what the fuck, but. That shit has got to stop. Like, I'm a traditionalist. You should never be touching the logo. Jerseys should never hit the floor. You're the type of guy who walks in the dressing room and doesn't step on the logo in the middle? No fucking chance. It's sacred. It's just a tradition that it's it's fucking respect when it comes down to it. So if you want to be a scumbag and stop, there's got to be someone who sees that and, and, you know, kind of steps up and says, hey, like, don't be an asshole. Pick that jersey up or pick that something up like yeah we can all be better as fans too that's the fans that throw their jerseys on the ice and stuff like that like yeah they're not real fans they're just there because they're i don't know they're drunk idiots who just want to play in the atmosphere and that's all it is and to be perfectly honest like i don't consider them hockey fans or fans period Mm -hmm. especially of my team if i see somebody do that they're like instantly i don't even treat them the same as a person it's like if you feel that way about anybody or anything, like it's just a joke. Yeah. At the end of the day, everybody needs to remember it's just a game. Right. These people are getting paid for it. We're watching it for our enjoyment. If you don't like what's happening, don't watch. Yeah. And just my last point before I get off my fucking pedestal, but um, I, there's that clip that's going out with that idiot in the elevator chirping. I think it was Backlund and uh, Maji Pani. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. If you have no ability to control how the series goes, don't fucking talk like you can make a difference in the game or tell like an NHL player what he needs to do. You know what? We sit here and we chirp players, we chirp teams, we say who's playing bad, who's playing good. This all goes on Twitter. This all goes on a platform. You know who's not fucking paying attention to those things? The guy's making millions of dollars to to play a game. And... I get being a fan. I get being passionate. There's probably some alcohol involved in it. Um, so kudos to Majapani and Backlund just kind of take it in and stride. But man, I just don't understand it. Like if I were to run into them, for example, after the game, even if it's for a team I don't like, like I'm going to treat them still like people and be like, hey, exactly. like, can I get a picture? You guys are professional athletes. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you had a tough game. Maybe you'll get them next time or something like that. Like treat them like people. Yeah. Don't treat them like they're just a toy for you to yell at. Yeah. Which is, I feel, what people do because they're sitting in the stands, banging on the glass, acting like they're animals in a cage. And it's like, no, they're still people, man. Yeah. Uh, I felt like a lot of negativity getting off my chest, but we can all be better, myself included. So 
I'm done. Sean, your minus. Uh, my minus is uh, the the refing, and more specifically, the game two refing and mm-hmm. what the NHL has been putting out there. It's like Chris Lee, horrendous officiating all game. Like mi- early whistle blows on both of those goals, like Calgary fans and Oilers fans alike can be pissed off about it. And like essentially, it's a wash. So I'm not even mad about it because I'm like. At least they called it against the other team. So he's consistent, at least. Consistently fucking <laughs> In the terrible. worst way, yeah. Yeah. And, like, the worst part of it is we're in round two of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So what is there? Like, there's... How many how many refs are in a game? Two? Yeah. So there's two refs in each game. So there's eight total refs. These are the best eight that they have. And this is what they bring to the table. Yeah. It's just embarrassing. And the NHL needs to look inward. And, like, I know... I've heard it before, and I wholeheartedly agree that they need, like, there is no, like, union or overarching board that reviews refing. Refs can't get fined for making shitty calls or anything like that. And there needs to be something watching them and making sure that they do their job. Because if I were to do that at my job, I'd be fired in a fucking second. <laughs> yeah, there's no, uh, hey, next time you do this, or, hey, you have to make it up to this team. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you 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 did that for that client. Oh, you better do it for that guy too. Just keep it even. Yeah. It's just it's just horrendous and like it's honestly embarrassing, because like I think we talked about this before, but I know I talked about it with my dad on the weekend. Is like five years ago, did you really ever hear refs you suck chants to the degree that we get them now, mm-hmm. where every single fan base is chanting it like eight times a game? Like it's such a joke. Yeah, I I feel I agree with you. Uh, I feel there is a lot of areas. How do I say this politely? There's some markets where they over chant that chant um, just for a le- little bit, you know, a lack of hockey knowledge. Um, it might just be hometown biases, but I agree. Like the overall performance of refing has just been. Ugh. Well, it's just the inconsistency of everything where they'll like, they'll see a hit to the head or a boarding call or a like all these things that are more like, judgment based and then they'll not call eight cross checks in a row and then they'll see one cross check and call it like where it's just a light little tap or something like that and it just doesn't make sense i just want consistency yeah and i just want you to be competent <laughs> like i don't know what competent is if it's like 80 percent accuracy or something sure that's fine but it feels as hell like it's only like 50 to 40 percent accuracy which you're flunking out of every class you've ever been in if you have like marks like that it's I don't know. Me and me and another buddy had talked about starting a podcast where we just review refing for games and then give them like letter grades based off of the games. Because that's how like gross it was getting. We were watching, we we're like, why is nobody talking about this? This is so stupid. That's that's actually like probably a niche hole that you can fill. Yeah, spin-off idea. <laughs> All right, I'll jump into uh, my plus. I just have three words. Zachary Martin Hyman. He's a steward in the Jewish community. He's a three-time published book author with a fourth on the way. Great books, and great books. Great books, yeah. I read them every night before bed. Um, but he has been an absolute horse. There is nothing I love more than watching him take the puck and like just fucking skate circles in the opposing team's end. Is it controversial to say that he's like the heart of this team? I don't think so. I'm Hot take? I said he's Ryan Smith, but with more skill. Yeah, the second coming of Ryan, Ryan Smith. I think he's better. Maybe, I, maybe he, lacking the deflection skills, but better in every <laughs> other way. A little bit better, you know, with uh, the missing teeth and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. 
I, I just I love watching him play. He's always a consistent player. Um, well, he brings it every night. Yeah, yeah. I know. I didn't really know what we were getting. Um, my brother is a, a gigantic Leafs fan, and I remember when they signed him. I just texted him. I was like, "Look, what are we getting from Hyman?" And I shit you not, he told me he's like he's not going to put up a ton of points, but you'll fall in love with him from his first shift. And oh well, he, he, he did both right. instead. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but and anyway, Leafs fans, this is what second round Zach Hyman looks like. <laughs> I know you never got the chance to see it, and sucks to suck, I guess. But this is what you're missing. That's cold. <laughs> it's just honest. Sean, your plus of the week. Uh, my plus is to the Oilers medical staff for whatever the hell they're doing to Drysidle and Nurse and any of the guys who are nursing something on the team because Drysidle looks like he's got three legs instead of one out there. It's crazy. Yeah. He doesn't look like that last game. He was flying more than I've seen him skate like all season. I'm like, this guy's got a high ankle sprain or something. Like, how is he even playing right now? It's mind-boggling. I um, I've got a few friends that I've coached with that are involved in the Oil Kings uh, medical team, and so they they've worked with uh, TD Force uh, a lot with the Oilers training camps and stuff, and they cannot say enough good things about him. Well, like, he's always the first guy on the ice, even if it's the other team's player getting injured, right? Mm. Like, they they bring it every game. This team needs it. The only thing I will preface all of this with saying is that no, nobody condones the overuse of any of this stuff. If they're, like, popping them full of pills and stuff, that's, like, a <laughs> no joke and gas. they should stop. I'm hoping they do it in a very safe manner. And I hope that's what they're doing. Yeah. Because there's oh, been sure. too much of that in the NHL, and there's been a lot of negative things that have come of that lately. And I know that's a concern. Like, I think it was Robin Lehner talking about it. Yes. Where he yeah. was like, yeah, they're forcing With me Philly, to take right? things I didn't even know what I was taking. So, like, I certainly hope and I trust that they are not doing something like that. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, that That's definitely a good caveat to add there. <laughs> um, but that, that just about does it for... This is episode five already. Look at us go. Yeah. Um, the Oilers will play on Tuesday night with a chance to take a 3-1 series lead heading back to Calgary. I'm pretty stoked. I think Roger's place was a goddamn karaoke bar yesterday. Um, the fact that they had five, ten minutes to like sing songs while they're cleaning up the hats. No. Oh, just Kudos to the PA people playing the music and stuff. Like, Great job. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Anything else, Sean? Um, besides another quick plug that follow, subscribe, comment, whatever to all of our social media, let us know if you have any questions, we'll toss it in the mailbag and talk about it on the next podcast. Yeah, no, that's a, a great point that we didn't have any questions for the mailbag. So no segment this week, but yeah, if, Hey, that just shows if you ask a question, you're getting it on the podcast. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Um, another week, another, uh, another playoff game ahead. 